Hello, Alex. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm really, really good. And it is so lovely to have you back on the podcast. It's been too long. Um, and for those of the, our listeners that haven't met you before, would you just like to start off by introducing yourself and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I was just thinking to myself when you welcome me back on the show, I'm like, I think this might be my third time being on your show. Yeah. Yeah, we've done a, quite a few episodes together and we've known each other for a while. Like, I think we met right when I was starting, right when I was quitting my teaching job and starting my career, which was my career in sobriety and yoga, which was two years ago, which is just so amazing to to then be on this journey together side by side. So um, anyway, little introduction about myself. I'm Alex and I basically, I kind of call myself sober yoga girl on social media and I primarily support women in sobriety through yoga. So I do these 30 day sober yoga challenges online. I one-on-one coach women. I run 200 hour yoga teacher trainings. And then I also have this community, the mindful life practice where I run uh, yoga retreats, mostly out of Bali. That's where I live, but I also do them around the world now in Mexico and back in the middle East. And next year I have one in Spain. And so just like a ton of ton of different things going on in the fields of yoga and sobriety. Amazing. Um, and it's, it's just so cool how much you've built your business up in the time that I've known you um, and what you've achieved and how many people you've helped. It's just absolutely amazing. Um, I'm super proud of you. And what an inspiration to everyone embarking on their sober journey because when we let go of alcohol this is how we manifest we exponentially grow and you know a year passes and you look back and you're like wow look at everything that's happened and that you're a classic example of that so super inspiring and I'm really interested today to ask you loads and loads of questions about some of the kind of deeper yogic philosophy Um, I'm such a geek and I love learning and I really love to learn more about how yoga in your opinion is supportive of not only a sober journey but really our our lifelong healing journey of self-development and up-leveling so um, yeah where do we start where where's the best place to start with this Alex? Yeah absolutely man there's so there's so much depth to it and you know, the interesting thing about yoga and the Western world, and I was literally just having this conversation half an hour ago, I was like sitting down to coffee with one of my friends, and we were talking about, you know, yoga and cultural appropriation. And the thing about yoga is that it was, it, it originates from India, and it was adapted and kind of brought around the world. And when it was brought around the world, one of the primary aspects of it, that became so widespread, and you see in studios and gyms across the world is what's actually called asana, which is the yoga postures. And asana has turned into the Western idea of yoga or the worldwide idea of yoga. You know, when people say the word yoga, they think of asana and those are the postures. The interesting thing about, about yoga in general is that one of, there's quite a few yoga philosophy books that yoga is founded on. And one of these is Pantanjali's Yoga Sutras. And Pantanjali's Yoga Sutras has 196 sutras, which are like little threads of like, uh, ways in which we should kind of go about our life. And only three of those threads or three of those lines are about asana, about the postures. 
So out of 196 things that he's saying, only three of them are, are do the postures of yoga. <laughs> and I th- I find that just so interesting. And on the one hand, I'm like, yes, we have kind of appropriated this and turned it into something that it's not. Yet on the other hand, I was teaching a yoga teacher training last week that just wrapped up in Bali. And I was saying to the students, you know, all of us have ended up here because we wanted to do the the poses of yoga, right? We thought that it would be cool to like get flexible or get peaceful or like whatever we thought would be great about the asanas, build our strength. And that was like the doorway to this portal where now we're here in Bali studying to become 200 hour yoga teachers. So on the one hand, yes, it is maybe not the correct meaning of what yoga is but on the other hand it's like this portal that brings people on this really deep spiritual journey that they don't even know that they're stepping into and so it's like uh it's a it's a mixed thing but that's kind of I guess that's where I would start (laughs) yeah and it's I mean that it is interesting isn't it how that's just such a small part of what yoga is but yeah in the west we think it's the only part and I know oh I've heard more than one person in my life tell me that they like yoga but they're not really into the spiritual side and to me I'm like well that's just gymnastics then right (laughs) totally so true (laughs) yeah so tell me more about the sutras then what are they what do they mean and how are they helpful for healing yeah okay so Pantanjali's yoga sutras yoga sutra 1.2 is uh yoga's chitta vritta nirodaha and what that means to it, what that means is yoga is the stilling of the fluctuations of the mind. And so I find that so interesting because Pantanjali is basically starting out the whole book by saying that the whole point of yoga is stilling the, the mind is basically the whole thing is about our mental health. Pretty much. It's like, what are the tools that we can put in place to help us have better mental health? And there's four books of the sutras and the most relevant I think to a lot of us is book number two and book two is contains the eight limbs of yoga and the eight limbs are pretty much like practical steps for everyday people like you or I that are living in like the everyday world to work towards that state of stilling the mind and so we have eight limbs and we have the yamas which are the ways that we can interact with ourselves we have the niyamas which are sorry, I I flipped those around. The yamas are our interaction with the world around us. The niyama is our interaction with ourself. Hmm. Limb three is the asana, which are the poses, which a lot of us are familiar with. Limb four is the pranayama or the breath work. Hmm. And then the upper, the upper limbs are kind of like sequential steps towards like enlightenment. So we have pratyahara, which is turning inward. And if you imagine like a turtle putting his head inside his shell. Like that's the practice of Pratyahara. We're like going in inside of ourselves. And then we have Dharana, which is a state of concentration. Dhyana, which is our state of meditation. And then Samadhi, which is eventually our enlightenment. So pretty much we're following these steps to work towards a state of enlightenment, which is really just coming to a state of like peace and contentment and and union and acceptance of the way things are and i think so many of us pre sobriety are kind of living in this state of like kind of numbing from the way things are or avoiding the way things are or really i know i was searching for something in the outside world that i didn't realize that i had to like search within myself and 
learning about the sutras and learning about yoga philosophy gave me kind of like a guidepost to for my life I guess yeah and I completely agree with you um pre-sobriety um I describe my life as being a little bit like a hamster in a wheel because you're like yeah moving through the matrix like getting up like cracking on doing what you need to do but you're kind of asleep and you're just numbing everything and whenever you feel uncomfortable it's like oh that's a bad feeling let me numb that and for me a huge part of this healing journey that we go on in sobriety is about stopping labeling things as bad feelings as bad seeing them all as helpful and looking inward looking at them and and I suppose what you're saying is is that yogic philosophy is a really amazing tool with different strands that helps us start to process and move through these right totally totally amazing so when you are coaching people then or um, guiding people in one of your challenges how do you use these different strands to help someone navigate let's say like their first 30 days alcohol free Mm um yeah, this is such a great, that's such a great question. So in my sober challenges, we we have these sober, we have these meetings once a week where we get together and we will kind of be talking about like different yoga philosophy themes or concepts or ideas and sort of processing our lives. And in my longer challenges, we will spend a week focusing on each yama or niyama. And so I'll start with one example, which is like the practice of ahimsa is the practice of nonviolence. And that's yama number one. And so people often hear that and they think like, okay, I'm not a violent person. I've never punched someone. I've never hit someone. So I've got that one check. And really looking at how you're embodying and practicing ahimsa so beyond how you're physically interacting with other people. And I really look at it as like this thing about how, how are my thoughts? How are my words? Are they violent or nonviolent? Like, am I thinking judgmental thoughts about other people? Am I causing other people harm by the things that I'm thinking, or even the things that I'm saying? And how can I look at other people around me with a sense of non judgment or a sense of compassion? And sometimes people have these big epiphanies, like I'll share one thing from like, it was like, I think it was over a year ago that I was in one sober meeting, and someone had this epiphany of like, man, you know, I got, I got really upset with my son the other day because I thought he was just avoiding coming into dinner. And then I found out after that really, you know, he was breaking up with his girlfriend and he was like really being quite compassionate to her in the moment. And by me reframing and realizing that I'm, I'm judging him without realizing that he was actually doing a, doing the right thing that he thought in the moment. Right. And it's like little things like that of of using the yoga philosophy to reframe our daily interactions to, you know, there's certain things that could really trigger you or set you off about other people. But when you're able to sit down and apply these tools or frameworks to your life, you can often resolve a lot of the, the issues in your life. Yeah. And I love that because what you're really saying there is that judgment and Gabby Bernstein has got written a whole book on this right yeah um, judgment is a form of violence like it sounds really mm. extreme but it's uh it's all on everything's on a continuum right and actually letting go of judgment is such a huge part of um doing our own inner healing because usually we're judging other people yeah. right to make ourselves feel better and it's, it can become a form of numbing 
and, totally. and certainly something that uh, I remember reading that book by Gabby Bernstein, The Judgment Detox, and being like, oh, so good. <laughs> it is a form of numbing. Um, that's so interesting. So in terms of um, when we are moving through what I call uncomfortable feelings, which, you know, we used to call mm-hmm. bad, how would you uh, recommend that we use the different strands? Because I always think movement can be quite helpful for moving feelings through our body. But what would your kind of step by step, bro? let's say I've come to you and I am uh, like a week into my sober journey and I'm feeling all the feelings, I'm feeling horrible. Uh, what would you recommend that I would do? Mm-hmm. So I I would say it's, I mean, I'll share with you what I offer my participants. Um, with everyone, it's different. Like they're going to try things and you might find like, okay, this isn't really resonating with me. But what's really resonated with my community is a very holistic, um, a very holistic method of of tackling it, which includes movement and, and an asana or physical practice every day. And I do think it's really important to move your body to like, get things out of you. And so the asana, absolutely. But then also the practices of the practice of really coming to that reflection can happen in many ways. I provide like a journaling workbook, which goes along with the yoga philosophy throughout the 30 day challenge. And so every day you'll be introduced to a yoga philosophy concept and it will be explained to you. And there's like a little reading that I've wrote and then an opportunity to journal on it. And so you might find that those journal practices resonate also coming to discussion, you know, coming to sit in, in a sharing circle. And this is actually the second yama of yoga. It's, it's satya, which is the truth. And we do a lot of sharing circles in the mindful life practice. And it's an opportunity for women to get together and just share their truth of what's going on with them in that moment. And when you're processing and you're processing with other people, you get an opportunity to hear their stories and their reflections, which can change the way that you perceive the world and you perceive them. And so that is what I would recommend, like yoga practice, journaling, sharing circles and, and being in community. And I also think there's a real value for like meditation and pranayama practices as well. And that's something that I'm going to be working on creating a structured new part of the Mindful Life Practice membership, actually, that's going to be including. So I have my 30 day sober challenges, which are excellent for people who are starting sobriety. But how do we maintain that sobriety long term? And I think that's really important. And I do have an on a community membership, which is amazing on my website that people can be part of, but I'm going to be bringing in more structure to it, which I don't know when this episode is being released, but in September, I'm going to be coming forward with themed months and Dharma talks, which are spiritual talks for each week and then meditation and breath work practices. So I haven't announced this yet, but um, that's going to be coming up. And so if you're someone that's been in sobriety for a while and you're looking for some spirituality, that's basically going to help you. It's sustaining practices, really. Um, that's something that I would offer for you there. Uh, that's amazing. And there's a few things that are coming up while while you're saying this. Yeah. So first of all, um, you're really linking together, for me anyway, how all of these different strands work together. Because as you say, yoga is really about our mental health, our spiritual mental health. And I mean, I found so often when I want to um, spiritually connect with myself and to process something, it starts with movement 
which is the yoga, which is the um, asanas. But when we move, we then create space, we create stillness and we get downloads and we're like, oh, okay, hang on. I'm getting some wisdom. Let me journal that. Let me, Mm -hmm. let me meditate. I can sit in stillness when I've moved it through me. Right. And then we get all of these intuitive hits. Um, so that that kind that all clicks and then coming in with community as well and that support and what else the other thing that I really love that I was picking up on is and I always say this to my clients too the getting rid of the alcohol is the boring bit like when we've got that out of the way that's when the really exciting stuff starts it's the spiritual healing journey that's when we start to really look at okay where can I heal where can I expand where can I up level and it's a journey that never ever stops because there's always more there's the universe has always got more for us right it's so true yeah so true that is so cool um so when you look at um like meditation for example um so lots of people when they start a sober journey uh, we start opening ourselves up to new self-care practices don't we because alcohol takes up so much space and when we let go of it we've got all this extra time we want to do things for ourselves so if we've got listeners that have never tried meditation um what would your kind of start 101 beginners um introduction to meditation um with a little bit of movement look like yeah that's such a great question so there are so many it's funny because I was actually just talking about this with my friend earlier too um he was asking me about you know meditation and mindfulness and how is mindfulness different than meditation and what I was sharing with him is that there's so many different styles of meditation. And so there's a mindfulness practice, which is really just, you know, being in the moment, having compassion for the moment, noticing the moment exactly as you're experiencing it, whether you're experiencing like anxiety or grief or sadness or um, pain, it's, it's just kind of like, okay, I'm feeling this right now and acknowledging whatever you're feeling as opposed to like numbing it or avoiding it or, wanting to go somewhere else. And so that's one practice. Something that I do a lot of in my teaching is guided visualization. And so I will lead people on a journey and I will invite people to uh, like a, a visualization. I'll give you an example. One that my students really like is imagining like this vacuum cleaner on the top of your head and just kind of like suctioning up all the, all the stress and chaos and like whatever you're holding And so there's that, but then there's some people that, you know, the the act of visualization doesn't really resonate with them and something more simple like mindfulness would feel right. And then there's some people who mindfulness is just like too difficult. And so something like a visualization would feel right. And then there's some super traditional practices like Japa, which is Japa is, is repeating a mantra. And I actually have these mala beads that I made uh, in front of me, but it's super traditional to this has 108 beads. And so you would count each mantra with each bead. And that might be good for someone who the, you know, the repetition and routine and structure of it is a lot easier than any of the other options. So if I were to introduce a beginner to meditation, I would say explore all these different kinds and figure out which one really works with you in this moment. And know that it's going to be like ever evolving on your journey. Like you, you might find one form of meditation really works for you at one point and then you might find that it no longer resonates anymore and it's just being open and curious to like wherever the path takes you and 
I personally, I still love guided meditations, even though someone said to, said the other day, it's kind of like training wheels and, you know, the idea is eventually you're doing it on your own. And I'm like, okay, well, I've been in yoga for like 15 years and I still like putting on a guided meditation and listening to someone else guide me. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So, so if that works for you, you know, finding a YouTube guided meditation, or I have some on my website and my community, that's a great place to start as well. I love that. And actually what I'm hearing when you're talking about this is number one, you know, being alcohol free for me is about not, not conforming, not staying in the box that everyone says you have to stay in. It's about like approaching life with your own creativity and that kind of unlimited feeling of I can make this anything I want to. The other thing that I'm also hearing there is is really it's about taking yoga off the mat. Yogic philosophy is beautiful, but it's really beautiful when we can apply it to our day to day life. So, you know, not just in our amazing yoga class, you know, we go into work and we have a stressful day and someone upsets us like how can we then apply our yogic philosophy to move through that? And what you're describing is acknowledging like, oh, okay, like, mm, I feel really dysregulated now. Like, yeah, that's made me feel really uncomfortable. That's okay. Like, let me sit with that um, and, and using it for that. And I suppose that's how it can be so, one of the reasons why it can be so supportive in, in our alcohol-free journey, right? Because again, as you said, we're so used to numbing these feelings. Like how many times have in the past did we have a horrible day at work and we'll come home and we'd be like, oh, I'm going to have some wine. Obviously that's what we do. We've had a horrible day. Um, and instead now it's like, no, let me, let me do some yoga. Let me think about how I feel. Let me journal that. Let me meditate, right? Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. So in your own journey, then, did you, you started yoga before you became alcohol free, right? Yeah, yeah. So my story with yoga, it's so fascinating, because I think it was like an innate knowing from childhood, which I don't even remember. But I when I was like, 10, there was this pamphlet of like, you know, they called them the after four activities, which were like the the programs you could do after school. And one of them was yoga. And I got my mom to sign me up. And that was the first time I ever did yoga. So I was 10 years old. And the funny thing about this time in my life is that I also had a newspaper. I had created a newspaper called the Family Times, which I would distribute to like my uncle and my grandma and like my parents. And my grandma kept every paper, which is so cute. I did it from like age 10 to like age 12 or something. And she kept every single one in her cupboard. And my sister was cleaning out her house a couple of years ago and sent a photo. And apparently the cover article was like breaking news. Alex wants to be a yoga teacher when she grows up. And I wrote this when I was 10 uh-huh. and I, and I don't remember it at all, which is so interesting. Oh, wow. So you always knew, um, your soul knew that you came into this lifetime to do this, didn't it really? <laughs> totally. And then through my whole teenage years, it was like, I would I would like see an ad for a yoga for teens program and like make my mom sign up or like do yoga for beginners. And so I was like kind of in and out of it throughout my teens. And then I started having like big mental health crises and started and really was drawn to yoga as like this stress release practice for that. And when I was 18, I knew I was going to be a yoga teacher. I don't remember the the 10 year old thing, but definitely at age 18, I knew that this is like what I want to do with my life. But 
I think I was experiencing such big emotions and I was coping with them through yoga and alcohol. And when my drinking got worse and worse and worse was also the time I got less and less connected to my yoga community. And that was because I was really deeply involved with a yoga studio in Canada. And I worked there for a long time. I would clean the studio for free for, to get yoga classes. And then I worked reception and I loved everything about it. Like I loved being at reception and meeting people and asking questions and checking them in and telling, talking about their lives. And I loved all of that as much as like the actual teaching of yoga. And so I worked there for like five years. And then when I left Canada and I went overseas, there just wasn't such a, a strong yoga community in, first of all, in Kuwait, there was one yoga studio. It was like an hour drive away from me. And I taught yoga at the Hilton hotel. I was like the only yoga teacher there. And so like, I was the yoga community, which is really hard if you're trying to sustain your spiritual practices and you're the only person who's like living those at that time, you know? And then when I got over to Abu Dhabi, there were some yoga studios there. There were more than Kuwait, but I found it really hard to get a yoga teaching job there. And so I wasn't really in spiritual community. And this is when my drinking got worse and worse and worse and worse. And and so when I got sober, yoga became what I went to, to support myself through, um, through that period of my life. And that's when my practice got really serious in terms of like, I was practicing on my own, practicing on the balcony, doing it every day. And, um, and it really became such a, such a support when I was feeling triggered or dysregulated or really struggling with, with getting, getting through the first few weeks of sobriety. Yoga was like the the tool that's amazing so it was already kind of there ready to catch you um and mm-hmm. kind of dove right into it and that's really what you've created with the mindful life practice isn't it you've, you've created this kind of almost like a safety net that you let people you kind of catch people with when they they go into their um first um day, few days weeks months alcohol free that they've got this structure that you provide around um the different strands of yoga Um, and one of the things I love about it as well is there's so many classes that fit into different time zones so it doesn't matter what part of the world you're in or even if you're like up at like one in the morning and you feel a bit like meh there's like probably a yoga class on in a different time zone that you can just join in on right yeah it's so cool it's so cool that way and how widespread it's become and as a result of that we have people from all parts of the world and then we get like different perspectives on the world from hearing these different points of view it's like it's really quite amazing yeah it's super cool super cool I bet everyone listening um is really keen to have a look at the mindful life practice and what you what you offer and and thinking about signing up so could you let us know like where people can find you online you've also got your own podcast haven't you as well Yeah, absolutely. So Sober Yoga Girl podcast is my podcast. And on that show, I have people join. Annika has actually been a guest a couple of times. And I have people from all over the world sharing uh, their sobriety stories. I do some yoga philosophy conversations as well. So if you want to kind of go deeper into what we're talking about today, um, that is my podcast. And then on Instagram, I'm pretty active on Alex McGrobs. So A-L-E-X-M-C-R-O-B-S. And you can kind of find everything that I have going on there. And then on the mindfullifepractice.com, 
I have all of my upcoming yoga retreats listed, yoga teacher trainings, and information about my membership and yoga challenges there. Amazing. Um, I'll be sure to put all of these links in the show notes as well. Um, thank you so much for coming on today, Alex. It's been an absolute pleasure to catch up with you. Um, and yeah, I look forward to hearing in the future more, more things that you're up to on your amazing yoga and coffee journey. Oh, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Thank you.